and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Taryn. I'm on the product design team at Ballard. And I'm Karen. I head up branding at Ballard. We are your hosts. Hi. Okay, should we do some trials and triumphs? And also, I just need to assure everyone before we get into it that we're not getting rid of trials and triumphs. No. Trust us. We like talking about ourselves entirely too much. No, I'm kidding. But we just have mostly had a <laughs> scheduling tr- issue. <laughs> just trying to get all of us in the office at the same busy time. busy summer. Karen was in France. Um, yeah, Karen, yeah, way to geez. travel. I guess that's a triumph, huh? <laughs> you I should start. write that down. That's I, France. Just the word <laughs> triumph. That is. <laughs> well, you guys have heard. Well, all right, I'll talk about that. Um, you guys have heard me talk before about our Ballard trips. Taryn, mm-hmm. you've gone on some mm-hmm. of them. I have been lucky enough to, yes. Right. <laughs> so usually we go to a trade show in Paris called Maison Objet, and then we dovetail that with um, a trade ride down to Avignon. And we stay down in the south of France for a few days to go to these three different antique markets that are in consecutive days. And I think they're on a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, or a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I don't know. I can't remember. And they're all about an hour, hour and a half apart. So this year we did something different. We didn't go to Paris. We just skipped Paris and went straight to these shows. And I just went with one other colleague here at work. And it was great. So it was a tiny little group, two, two, a group of two. (laughs) And um, uh, it was really um, productive and fun. We um, saw a lot of cool stuff. We took a ton of pictures, ideas for products. We bought a few things. We didn't buy a lot of stuff, but we bought a few things that we thought, you know, we can't we can't reproduce or w- without having the real actual sample in hand. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, it was really good, and it was, was so lucky. We had beautiful, beautiful, like seventy five degree and sunny weather. And y'all in Atlanta, it is still hot, so nice. hot. Yeah, it's ninety degrees. It's not okay. Uh, so um, it was really a lovely respite from that and always just such a so lucky to get to go to that kind of thing so it was great a big old well, I'm so glad here's you found some good things here's something hmm. I always find interesting about when you'll travel I feel like you always come back ugh, using that phrase again I feel like I'm sorry I'm going to try to stop we're, yeah we're going to try not to say like and I feel like yes All right. it's a challenge we'll point um, at each other when we do it every time y'all come back from a trip like that you always say, you or Sky or whoever is always saying, we saw lots of this trend. Like this is yes. coming out really strong, which I totally understand when you're at a, a trade show. A trade show. But it boggles my mind how there are quote unquote trends at an antique uh, show. Agreed. So explain. And it happened again this year. So one of the things that we saw a lot of, which again is surprising because you are looking at antiques was painted furniture. And I don't mean a solid painted color, not painted white, but painted white and then stenciled on top of it or a pattern painted on top of that. You re- y'all remember this from 
1980, y'all were five, but I mean, this was around, this was a big thing. I, I painted tons of stuff on furniture. I mean, I remember. Really? Oh, yeah. Don't look at me like I'm crazy, Tara. Back, <laughs> back in the war times. Yes. <laughs> back in the Great Depression. No, um, if you look at early Ballard catalogs, yeah, I remember. a big thing. Well, yeah. y'all, it is all over. And what you, you, you will Where notice. Where was it hiding the last few <laughs> decades? No, no, no. I think they're newly painting it. Ah, because what you will find when you're looking at these antiques a lot of times is if brown furniture is out of fashion, mm-hmm. they'll they'll um, paint it. strip yeah. it and they'll sell it naked or they'll paint it or they'll um, mm-hmm. put a beautiful finish on it. So they don't hold these things as dear as we do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I, I'm sure some of the antiques that are like lovely, very expensive you know, $50,000 chest. This is not what I'm talking about. This is something that might sell for $2,000 or something mm-hmm. like that, yeah. um, which is not cheap, but it is not fine furniture. Right. Um, they are working to sell their stuff to appeal to the current market. So they will tweak things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot saw a lot of that, um, a lot of g- gilded things, a lot of things that were very gold. Hmm. Um, yeah, you would think a little more ornate. Yeah. I would. I kind of have been wondering if gold, and I hate to say going out of style, but I do think brass has been so strong for for a, so long, a good amount of time. I mean, mm-hmm. seven years or something. Mm-hmm. You would kind of think that it would be, be on the outs, but I guess not. So that's good to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. Got some good stuff. Did you drink a lot of wine? Oh my gosh! Yeah. Good. So much rosé. And it's so <laughs> inexpensive. You know, a bottle of rosé mm-hmm. is like seven bucks. It's so good. It is awesome. And <laughs> All the, right, what was your trial then? Trial. Oh, well, I'll give you a France trial. Yeah. Sure. Duh. Because I have a lot of trials. Um, but so um, we were there. I don't know if you guys have heard about the protests that are going, ongoing in Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, the yellow vests, they call them. And um, so usually it's on the weekends. And we were in a t- small little town in the south of France called Montpellier. And if you're French, please forgive my pronunciation of that. <laughs> um, but so they had one scheduled while we were there. And it was in France and Montpellier and one other city. And we were clueless. We didn't really know. <laughs> we're not reading the news. We're shopping for antiques and drinking rosé. So... Um, <laughs> There's a big city square in the center of the town, and our hotel was right on that city square. And so we would we would exit um, the like the parking garage, walk through the square, go to a hotel, and then walk to dinner or whatever in town. So we were walking through the square, and we saw that there was there were people out there talking loudly, blah 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 blah. But we th- that was there sort of every night, someone right. you know doing a performance or you know street performances happen all the time in Europe, and um, so we thought that was what it was. And we just went on to dinner, and when we left dinner and came back. All these windows all over town were smashed. <gasps> all the bank windows were smashed. The doors to our hotel were smashed um, because of the protest. They had gone through town and smashed all this stuff. And some of the banks we thought were <laughs> deserted and closed had been proactively boarded up in anticipation of the protest. So they announce when it is so everyone kind of knows what's going to happen. And then it happens. I don't know. It was very un. An unfamiliar oh. to a U.S. citizen. It right. was like, what? What? <laughs> so it made us feel uneasy, just not yeah. being yeah. comfortable in that kind of situation. But um, we, oh, oh then, <laughs> I was going to say, the trial but we didn't, we didn't feel any bodily you know, harm. We weren't, we weren't afraid for our lives, except 
the next morning. So you have to leave at 6 a.m. or so to get to the fair when it opens. They open at 8. The doors Mm. open. You go in. You have to be there. Stuff moves fast. So we're leaving. It's still dark. We're walking across this town square to go to the park, go down a couple stories into a parking garage and get in our car. Oh, gosh. Okay. Parking deck's scare. Right. The- parking deck's not always the greatest thing for single women walking around alone. But whatevs. We're, we're vigilant. We travel, you know. Okay. So this guy <clears throat> comes up the stairs as we're getting ready to go down the stairs. And I'm always very careful about getting in elevators alone. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just like, yeah. I don't want to isolate myself in a Wait, tenuous. Wait, you don't want to be in an elevator alone? I'm not going to walk into an elevator when a guy's following me by myself in a building like, if you get the heebie-jeebies about it, get off the elevator. You know what I mean? Not in, like, an office building where there's people all around. But if you're going somewhere where it's quiet huh. and there's mm-hmm. no one around, I've gotten off plenty of elevators where I'm like, um, you followed me in here and I don't know who you are. Oh, oh, I see what you're right? saying. I thought you were saying don't be in an elevator alone. No, no, with I'm a like, guy wait, but I would rather be alone than be with another person. No, 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 no I'm sorry. Alone person. with someone who, who feels yep. threatening. Yes. Right. And, and I'm not saying every man feels threatening. Please don't take it that way. I'm saying, like, if your gut instinct tells you this is, might be dangerous, walk away from it. Right. Okay. So, anyway, long digression <laughs> to say this guy comes up through the stairs and walks up to me and says, I'm going to kill everyone in the city tomorrow. I... <laughs> I have a knife, and I'm just warning you that I'm going to kill everyone. And he says this in English to you? In English. In France, he says this to mm-hmm. you. But he has a French accent, but he says it in English to us. And so I turn and walk away from the stairs. I'm like, I'm not going down a staircase with this random crazy person. <laughs> and so then he corners Sky, and he's saying the same thing to her. And she just freezes and stands still and stares at him. And I was yelling at her, walk this way, walk this way, just to get yeah. out into a public area away from him. And so, <laughs> oh my gosh. so she did. And then he wandered on to the next person to tell them that he was going to kill them tomorrow as well. But giving us all fair warning. <laughs> so we... <laughs> We stole butter knives that night from the hotel and put them. No, I'm just kidding. So anyway, that was sort of weird. That's that's creepy. And there's a trial. Sorry, y'all. That has nothing to do with design. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Is there any stories from Montpellier about like? No, I looked at the news. He apparently did not kill everyone in the city. Good. Nor anyone. (laughs) Maybe he found his medication and was fine. (laughs) I don't know. Oh gosh, that's Mm -hmm. scary. Okay, well, I guess I'll go next. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Good luck. So I realized um, this past week that I hadn't talked about this on the podcast, so I thought I would bring it up, even though it's – so it's not fresh is my point. Um, But we – you know, I'm very psycho, and when we bought our house, I did <laughs> multiple layouts, and I, like, fiddled with my room in my room planner, my room planner tool for many weeks and sort of landed on what I thought was the most helpful. And um, one of the things that I put in there was this long, narrow console at sort of the back of my room. I'd originally had it in a different place, but essentially I knew that I was going to be kind of running low and, like, I have lots of linens and you know, some silver and extra plates and all that kind of stuff. And so I wanted an extra cabinet to store all of it. And so um, I, Will, and I built this awesome console for my IKEA kitchen cabinets. It was sort of a trial and a triumph because, of course, as with any IKEA project, we had to go to IKEA five times. Which is a trial. Yes. (laughs) You know, they gave me the wrong um, 
oh gosh, I can't even remember right now. I think they gave me the wrong like drawer front to one that was like too short anyway. And then I had to go back and get hinges and then they didn't have this one piece. And of course, you know, lots of um, trips back and forth. Luckily the Ikea is very close to us. So that was nice. But um, it just, it turned out great. And I'm so pleased with it. I'll show pictures on the show notes. It looks and- fabulous. It looks fabulous. It looks like a million bucks. Thank you. So it's basically, they have multiple sizes of, you know, they have all the things you can build in in their cabinetry. But these are actually meant to be upper, uppers? Oh, uh uh-huh. Kitchen uppers. Uh Yeah, kitchen uppers. They're wall-mounted. So they're, you know, their lowers live on feet, basically. Mm -hmm. These are meant to go on the wall. And they're only 15 inches deep because I wanted something real shallow. And, um... I have one, I have sort of three, I think, 30 or 36-inch banks. I can't remember. And one of them is like super narrow, four-inch drawers. So I have all of my pretty um, linens laid out all flat, and they're real narrow, so that was great. And then one of the things I did that was the smartest is I found on Amazon this, um, I'll link to it too. Um, it's basically like a sterling silverware organizer, and it just has little... Um, think you'll know what I'm talking about if you were to see it but it's like a little slot where you put sort of like the narrow edge of your fork in it so mm-hmm. that it holds them all vertical mm-hmm. you know and um almost it, like when you have in a jewelry drawer you think you put your ring in exactly but big enough for a fork exactly mm-hmm. because I don't know about y'all but I, I do have a set of flatware that was I think my grandmother's and it's hard to store it unless you have mm-hmm. a big chest or something and I just I had mine wrapped in little I had it in Ziploc bags I had some in um those little sort of silver polish um envelope mm-hmm. fabric things and it's never really functioned well right. for me right. basically because it's not ha- it's not handy you won't use it yeah and you can't see what's in the bag and right. which is you know it keeps them polished but I never I think not seeing it prevented me from using it, sure. basically. Anyway, so I put this little um, – I had a four-inch drawer, and I put my silver little organizer in there, and it zips up so it keeps everything um, from tarnishing. And it just so it works so well. I'll, I'll take some some pictures of the inside of drawers because I love seeing the inside of people's drawers. <laughs> I do, too. The organized, organized oh drawer is so appealing you to me. You guys are so An weird. organized <laughs> cabinet. is. Oh, I love an organized you guys cabinet. the opposite of me. <laughs> I even like all of my shampoos and things to face out in the shower. And I also want to get some of those bottles that say like shampoo, conditioner, and all this stuff, but I haven't gotten that far yet. Yeah. But just having all face the same way, it's so relaxing. You don't think – Taryn is looking at me like I'm insane. <laughs> I'm just thinking how much you would hate me. You would hate what? living with me. Why? Like Why? my two right now, my shampoo and conditioner are upside down because I'm getting the last drops of them, you know. And they're like well, You have to do that sometime. Anyway. But I won't abide that long. Two days tops. <laughs> 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 oh, my gosh. That was funny. That does anyway. sound awesome, though. Yes. I, I want one of those. Yes, congrats. I love a good it's, trial. I think it just makes it easier for me to use it, which is what we're always talking about. Right. And having it organized in a way that – keeps them from tarnishing and makes them easy to grab is already I've already used them a lot more than I have in the past mission accomplished Caroline and my console looks great even though it's Ikea I think it just looks way more expensive than that which is fun and the white is perfect in your new style home it's so clean lined it's almost sort of has this museum vibe in there to me I just Mm. love it thanks Mm -hmm. I appreciate that 
Um, well, I have to say, I was inspired. There's this guy, there's an artist out of Birmingham named William McClure. Love him. Follow him on Instagram. He mm-hmm. is like a master of Ikea. He uses Ikea all the time, and it always looks so expensive and so amazing. And I think in one of his old lofts, he had, I don't know if it's the exact thing he used, but it it was inspired by that. It's a 20-inch tall or, you know, it's kind of a short, but um, very long. Na- a narrow cabinet mounted very long, and he leans art on it and books and objets. So it's a very, very large ledge. Yes. <laughs> yes. With storage. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he's a fabulous painter. So That'd he be great has, down a wide hallway. Yes. Yeah, I mm-hmm. love this idea. Or if you just have one giant wall and you have no idea what to do with right. it. Um, Closed storage is amazing because when yeah. you do put open bookshelves or something like that on a wall, then you have to style it out. Yeah. Yeah, you do have to style. Mm. Well, Work. and and I think we have, a lot of, we have a lot of art, but I haven't quite landed on – where I want to hang anything. So I kind of imagine myself just leaning stuff up on this console for a little while until I really have landed on a arrangement, I guess, that I Plus love. Plus it's so. nice that you can rotate things around. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So That is nice when you don't hang. When you have things around your home that are leaning, you can move them around more easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right now, Will is like, Let's, we need to hang the rest of our art. We've hung all of our like favorite best stuff. But we probably have we have a lot of things that we haven't put up, and I'm just right now. I just love how empty it is. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Like I just I don't know. I feel so clean, so I'm like kind of not wanting. I'm like mm-hmm. trying to put them off. Like later, later, Anyways, Gator. So, Taryn, you go. Oh my. Um... Trial and triumph are from the same night, so it should be hopefully be easy. Um, my triumph was I hosted a dinner party shower, and I had um, received from my mother-in-law. She'd given me this cut glass punch bowl that she just hadn't used, and she was like, if you want this, it, you know, it's nothing precious, but it's still a big punch bowl. So I was like, um, absolutely, yes. Um, so for this party, I actually um, – I didn't have a punch because it was a smaller dinner party. And at first I was like, no, it has to have punch in it. And then I was like, no, I'm going to like just fill it with ice. And I put um, oh, all weird. the mixings for – I made a little like this little grapefruit cocktail. And all the stuff to make it I shoved in there so, so that all smart. the makings were in this beautiful punch bowl. But then it was just like – so you pull those out and you make your little drink. So that was like such a great reuse. So I thought I'd tell other people because – Yes. Did you have a recipe there? How did they know what to put? Like I did. Else? I had a little recipe, and um, I had, like taught the first few guests, and so then they were making them for the rest. Oh my so gosh, it was, like, that perfect. is brilliant! That is cute. And it was just a simple syrup and lime juice, or it was a rosemary simple syrup, which takes two seconds to make, and then lime and, juice but and great so fancy. Yes, it does. Grapefruit, and then like a sparkling water, but all again shoved in that little, and it looked great. Did you have little bottles that sealed at the top, or mm-hmm. what were you putting? Like, yes, those, those with the poppy tops. Um, I have multiple different tops. I have the poppy top one that you're talking about this. for the little. <laughs> what yes. do you call those? Like the hinge? Yes, yeah. the hinge poppy top. I do. I had that for the little. And then um, the larger liquids I did um, for like the grapefruit, I did. Ikea has great ones with cork tops that are beautiful crafts. Um, great and idea. Just clear. And so. <gasps> you know what else you could use? Those things that people get for olive oil dispersing. Oh, yeah. Right? That would be really cute too. A clear yeah, one of little... those would have been perfect. Yeah. That would have been a great idea. Well, 
good to know. Well, anyway, it was very simple. And then I literally, um, I took the tray, our bar tray, it's just this little silver one, and it fits six little glasses. And I had put six little glasses with a slice of grapefruit in each, like, glass and had some, like, little Shoot. mint or, like, rosemary stems to go in it. And, yeah, everyone was, like, ooing and aahing. I and bet they so were because it sounds simple. fabulous. Yeah, and fun. So I love oh, and the bottle of gin. Sorry, there was alcohol in this one, but you didn't have to put it in. Um, was in Optional. There. Yes. And then the sparkling water was just a pretty pretty bottle too. So those stayed in the original bottles. But oh, man, brilliant. Yes, I love that, that reuse of a punch bowl because I have a couple from my mother as well, which I never use. Because it does yeah. some of them. And they're don't. huge. Yes. So they take up a ton of space. Yeah. So you got to use it. Yeah. This goes exactly. back to your same thing. Got to yeah. use it. Yeah. So that was my, um, I'll go, I'll go ahead and get my other triumph too. So you guys can use this one because it was the same party. So then in my other my big bucket that I put all the um, cold wine again had ice I did you know the bottles in there then I put all the ice and what I had done is when I was making my arrangements my floor arrangements the night before I cut itty bitty pieces of each of the flowers because I had all these different colors those very colorful flowers and I had sprinkled them in um, this just ice ice tray I have you know just the plastic ice tray and then I filled with water and I froze it overnight so all these flowers were in there and they weren't edible so it couldn't go in drinks but I put those beautiful ice cubes on the top layer and, and so it was all the wine bottles and then these gorgeous little like leaved ice or ice with all these leaves, flowers, and everyone again was like, "This is gorgeous." And I'm like, "It took two seconds." Don't and tell so them I totally that. Recommend. Just tell them it was really hard. No, I'm telling all of our listeners. You do sound like a show off. It's awesome. I am. If I was at your house, I would be so, so jealous. And that is genius. I'm, why are, did I think of that? I know. You can use. I'm it. doing it at my, at my next party, parents. Well, I'm glad. So those Coming are my positives. You. But so, do you do the same thing for Halloween, like with little bats or something? I have. I've done it with the fake roaches. I've done oh, it with cute. The, them in the ice, and I've done it with like the little plastic spiders. Because then when it melts, they just mm-hmm. float around in there. Mm-hmm. Cutesy. No, yes. dude, you just your house doing... is dark at that party. Yeah, I would think it was a legit roach. Oh. I would seriously think there was a roach. In the, the worst thing. part about fake roaches <laughs> is you really will put them up, put them on shelves and things, and I will find them like I won't You'll I'll accidentally your like own joke. put not put them away, and you'll be like, geez, stop, you know. I didn't tell you about the time the kid was stealing them from my porch on Halloween. Uh-uh. He was taking them. He was walking up the stairs and, like, putting them in his, like, candy bucket. That was his treat. fake roaches. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> anyway, um, so my trial was from this party. I used hot pink candles all down the middle of the table. Again, oh, no. it was big and floral. Oh. And I, of course, they were not drip. I had six of them. But, of course, on my nice white linen table. Oh, no. Those were the two candles that dripped, and they dripped all over, and it's hot pink wax, and I did the freeze and to get most of it off, but the dye from the wax stained it. Did you oxy it and everything? I tried oxy, and then before I, like, fully washed it, I did just take it to the dry cleaner as my last hurrah, but I think, unfortunately, it's my nice... I can try that, too. I think I got, like, I did every process to get the wax out, and it doesn't feel like the wax is there, but it's dyed. Mm -hmm. So to your point, I tried Oxy first. Mm. I tried dry cleaning now. I'm going to probably try bleaching it, and then it's probably just time to fork some money. Okay. What are we going to do? Dye it all? Hot pink? Well, I was going to say that. Don't you remember in France, you see this a lot. There'll be linen booths. 
and these people are selling these antique linens, but they're all dyed these amazing colors. They'll be purple or magenta or lavender or whatever, and it's because they've been stained, but they still have these beautiful monograms, and they still have all these beautiful yeah. edges and stuff. And so they're dyeing them, these amazing colors, dye it something. It's and true. then you, you just probably have to be dark to buy a white one. But yeah, yeah <laughs> dye it something that goes with one of your that's so chi- smart. chinas or something. Yeah, that's a great idea. Okay, wait, can I tell you all something that I learned about food dye? But I wonder if it would, it would apply to this. Okay, so I was, and I couldn't tell you where I read this or if it's even true, but <laughs> I love to bake. <laughs> okay, and I love, wise. but I, the food dye colors are always very garish to me. Mm-hmm. It's never... It's not soft. They're too, like, fluorescent, I think, maybe. Yeah, they're not soft enough. So I read somewhere that you should put the opposite. If you want to create a muddier color, you should put, say you're doing pink, put a tiny, tiny, little, barely little bit of green mm-hmm. in it, and it'll sort of mute the color a little bit. So it's not that, like, um, baby girl... Yeah. And it's a little softer. And I wonder if the same would apply because I bet the colors of dye that you could find are probably, you know, it's like a box dye, I assume, from like a Michaels. I don't know, but talk I don't to Ryan McKelvey to. about the dye. Yeah, not necessarily. He, I could do. He knows everything about dye. I would. Why does he know everything about dye? Because he put himself through college with a tie-dye business, and he literally went and consulted with all these chemical engineers on how to make his dye color fast and... Uh huh. Yeah. He's got all these techniques, yeah. like with salt and microwaving and blah 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 blah. So we'll maybe yeah. we can consult with him and then do some tips. Yeah. That's cool. Probably, it'll probably be a box of writ, but you know. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Maybe you can do like um, a box of writ and then a tiny little bit of something. You can I custom make your own color. Yeah. So. Maybe I will I'll custom my color. Thank you. I guys. have a lot of tablecloths from my mother that are stained like that. Couple of them been able to get clean, but I should I should look into that too. Maybe we should have instead of terrarium day, we should have tablecloth dyeing day, or yeah, even napkin dyeing day. Yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. That could be really pretty, even if you already have a pattern on it. Sure, you just dye the base fabric. That'd be really pretty. Mm-hmm. I like that idea. Okay, look, we turned your trial into yes. Well, you guys are it. the best. Preach. So team. Okay, let's get to our guest. Oh, wait, this is a good guest. Who is it? It's Barbara from Philly, and she. Y'all, she blew us away. We loved her. Oh, so, yeah. I love Barbara. I think you're really going to mm. enjoy this episode. Okay. Let's get to it. And we're in Philadelphia today yeah. outside of our King of Prussia store. On the main line, we've just recently learned <laughs> yes. what this means. Been educated, <laughs> and our guest today is interior designer Barbara Belanger. I have been getting a lesson in how to say your name. It's beautiful. It sounds very French. French. Yes, I like Indeed it. Indeed, it is. <laughs> and welcome to the main line. Well, thank, thank you. You. <laughs> you have a firm here, Belanger Design, and y'all specialize in hospitality, commercial projects. You do a little bit of residential, though. And um, we we've been studying your portfolio, and we were special. Well, I can't. I guess I shouldn't speak for all of us, but That's I really right. loved, especially seeing your um, restaurant design. 
they're really beautiful. And I think that is such a, well, that's definitely not anything we've talked about on the show before. So we're really happy to have you. Yeah, we're kind of excited to talk to someone who does this. Thank you. We don't know much about it. Yeah. So how did you even get started in this world? Oh, my goodness. I have had a lifelong pension and passion for art and music and that led to an incredibly um ex- incredible exciting career in interior design i um thought i would pursue architecture but then i quickly learned i was too artsy for that i want to <laughs> touch and feel everything that everyone experiences and, and i absolutely love what i do i feel very privileged to do uh the kind of work that i do and i love hospitality i love residential and um I think, as you mentioned, we're probably most known for the restaurants that we've done here in the mainline area. And I think why people respond to that is because we bring a residential touch to a commercial setting Mm -hmm. and vice versa. We're able to bring some of the commercial hospitality aspects to the residential setting. And I think that differentiates us a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you have to think about when you're when you're designing a restaurant that we wouldn't even know? That you're thinking. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure there are lots of ins and outs that a, a normal person, lay person, wouldn't even consider. Well, let's let's um, stick with the notion of a restaurant, okay. for example. Um, obvious, there's obvious business considerations about um, when when a client has a brand, the interior design and the fit out has to illustrate um, that brand, has to help sell that brand. Um, there is a whole host of um, codes and requirements and regulations that we have to meet. So the challenge as an interior designer is, let's make it look and feel residential, but absolutely everything in that space has to be uh, fire retardant, um, has to meet a lot of uh, ADA uh, compliant codes so that it can accommodate um, users of all types, ages, and uh, maybe mentally or physically handicapped, challenged persons. So we have to consider a lot of that when we design mm-hmm. a restaurant. Also, cleaning. Maintenance oh, is a real uh-huh. big issue, right? Consider a bar top that might have to be impervious to liquor or um, really stringent cleaning agents. Um, that's a challenge, but let's make it look like it's a beautiful counter in a kitchen, for instance. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So Wow. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to consider, and it, and I think that like codes certainly are not something. I'm not doing change a lot. Well, think yeah, of a chair, for instance. We have uh, if we specify a chair or a banquette or a bench in a restaurant, the very frame it sits in, the cushion that's there, the thread that holds the fabric together, and the fabric itself all have to be flame retardant. So you have to look and feel luxurious, but they have to be. Um, incredibly durable and do you have to sorry that's do you right. have to use um certain vendors and merchants in terms of the types of fact like you can't can you use a you know schumacher fabric or do you have to use their commercial line um that's a great question and um because we're often truly inspired by residential fabrics um most often, we're going to commercial vendors, and there's hundreds of them. Um, sometimes if we are inspired by Schumacher fabric, for instance, we can, um, with appropriate um, approval and copyrights, mm. we can duplicate it onto a commercial fabric, or we oh. can um, do something, create something similar that's our own custom design that's been inspired by that Schumacher fabric so that we can use it in a commercial setting. 
Gosh, that is a whole other world that you want to meet. I mean, yeah, because I guess realistically, I know that commercial lines exist for a lot of manufacturers, but they're not something we ever look at really because we don't need to be looking at them. But I imagine the selections are very different. Selections are very so, different, yeah. but there there's a, a plethora of options out there. And um, one of the things I like that Ballard's been doing is using the umbrella fabrics mm-hmm. because we that's that stuff. something that we consider when we're doing commercial as well because ah, is it flame retardant or? some of their fabrics are and they ah. have a whole series of fabrics specific to our market that meets all those codes but also gives that great durability and water resistance and all that and so, it still feels luxurious which it is does nice. yeah. yeah still has a great hand and texture and yeah, yeah. gives us a lot of design flexibility mm-hmm. one thing that i liked about um your restaurants in your portfolio and there's one in particular um that had the it was autograph i believe oh it had sure the vintage posters mm-hmm. and things and it kind of occurred to me that you can you can maybe take a little more risks in a restaurant than you might in a re- in a home because most people are only experiencing it for you know, a couple hours at a time yeah, yeah so you could do something a little more risky it can feel like Old. more of a vacation like it can feel like an exact more exotic because it's not something you're going to get tired of. That is a really keen observation because um, in hospitality, it's all about um, the experience. And again, because people experience it for a shorter period of time than they would if they were sitting in their own great room or living room, you can take a lot of risk. But I'll give you a little um, background on that autograph project because it's very interesting. You asked, you know, what inspires a commercial project and how do you get that going? This particular client, um, who is a restaurateur, a very talented restaurateur, and uh, has an incredible chef, considers the work that they do their autograph to the world. And so my challenge was, I want my clients that I want to design a restaurant that uh, is called Autograph, and I want to celebrate anybody in popular culture that has influenced by their own autograph all of us. Mm-hmm. So if you go to a restaurant, I'd encourage you to go. If you're here in the main line, you'd enjoy it. Um, it. You will see that every dining room celebrates a different type of artist. So we're celebrating the restaurateur and his um, food by means of how he serves it to the table. In one room, we're celebrating uh, musicians. And we have over 500 vintage record album covers framed and displayed in that particular dining room. One room we're celebrating. Yeah, authentic. You know, we had a like, lot of fun going to a lot of, oh, lot of um, so they're all album shops. Signature? Yeah, they're That's all real, cool. real That's vintage. Nice. We collected for over 18 months. Wow. Um, real autographed uh, photography. Um, That's vi- awesome. Vintage <laughs> items like what I just described. And it was, so the process is really fun. Solving, um, you know, answering his quest and solving that problem is really what gets me excited because that's the challenge that I that I love as part of being an interior designer. That's really cool. That is <laughs> I would have just assumed like, eh, you can like we Xerox think, that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what an eBay. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a really time consuming element. Um I love when yeah. um when you walk into a restaurant and certain ones do it where they've kind of made your own nooks and crannies mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. again like a cafe style where again you can see all the tables. Do they give you direction on I guess they'd probably give you 
on what kind of style they want for that, if it's more closed off conversations and more intimate or open? So often they're looking to us as the expert to sort of direct that path. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're designing for a commercial restaurateur, literally every chair and every bar stool equals revenue to that owner. Mm-hmm. So our challenge is how do you get the most seats, right, and, 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 and earn the most revenue while still giving the patron, you know, a comfortable, intimate experience. There's nothing worse than a sea of tables in a big empty room. Yes. So we like to create different zones. We like to mix different seating styles. You know, we'll often put high back chairs, you know, in, if we're floating them in the middle of the room, just to give someone the sense of privacy that they're mm-hmm. not literally in the middle of the room. Mm-hmm. We use a lot of banquettes and booths, and you have to be very strategic and clever about how you place them mm-hmm. so that, you know, so that you do maximize the seating, but you give everybody a comfortable opportunity to dine and sit and stay a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny to me that, um, I don't know about y'all, but every time I go to a restaurant, if you get to pick your seat, I always want to sit in the booth. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we do talk a lot about banquets at, at, um, in residences. Mm-hmm. And it's funny to me that it, it kind of is only just now more of a trend, I guess, in of incorporating home. banquets mm-hmm. because I feel like everyone is drawn to the booth at their favorite restaurant, restaurant, you know? It does feel cozy. Yeah. You know, and I I think they're also conducive to round tables, which I love sitting at a round table Mm -hmm. um, where everyone has sort of equal opportunity to talk. Mm -hmm. Um, That's my favorite. Yeah. Which, again, people don't often do at home. Right. I want to be able to slide on that banquette, though. Yes, (laughs) that's a good point. In a restaurant, because you're in and out, or so-and-so wants to get out. Um, Mm -hmm. You don't want to be the one stuck in the corner. No. Well, I think I did that to you several times last night. We were at a big table and poor Karen was trapped. Soon, that kind of takes us back to what you were saying. Hey, what do you think about when you design those things? Right? Mm-hmm. We, you will notice in all of our restaurants, those banquet seats are usually leather or faux leather, so you can easily slide in and out uh-huh. and you can easily clean. But the backs that you can see when you walk into a room or you can see when you're across the table from someone are usually a decorative fabric or something much more patterned and exciting. And you could do that at home as well. So smart. I know. You should do that at home as well. Yeah. Okay. So my major pet peeve in restaurants is lighting that's so bright that you want to shoot yourself in the eyeballs to make the light go away <laughs> or so dark you can't see the menu i know i'm old but i mean it's so dark sometimes and the type is so tiny do you give them um recommendations about the font size oh I, i'm so glad you brought up lighting because lighting will absolutely make or break any project and hey, you're not old by the way <laughs> This is something that everybody complains about. And the challenge is uh, oftentimes clients don't realize the importance of lighting, but we encourage them to do a lot of what we call ambient lighting, Um, lighting that you can't see with your eyes when you walk in a room, but it might be a a hidden uh, lamp, which is another word for a light bulb, that just illuminates the tabletop so that when you're looking at your menu, you can read that small text and when your food is presented, mm. the color of that food is going to be a lot more appetizing if it's lit well from above. Mm-hmm. Color temperature is really, really important. So 
you know, for um, most projects, we're looking at a temperature of 2,700 degree Kelvin. And that really equates to a really nice, warm, incandescent look. Sometimes we dial it up to 3,000 K, and that just gives it a little whiter, brighter look. But that uh, temperature actually impacts every finish we've specified in the entire room. So it will make the carpet or the wall paint or the woodwork read differently because of its color temperature. And then it's really important to make sure that the color temperature of every light source in a space, so whether it be that hidden ambient light, the general light for cleaning, or those decorative fixtures that hang from above or might be in the form of a table lamp, if they're all consistent, that space is going to read and feel a lot better. Oh. Is there, are, do you do it differently depending on the price point of the restaurant? Do you know what I mean? Are, are less expensive restaurants potentially more brightly lit um, to kind of hurry you through your experience or anything like that? That's another great question. Believe it or not, there's a ton of psychology behind this. So I'll give you a couple analogies. Um, depending on the menu and the price point of the menu, um, the client is really going to make money based on how many times he can turn the tables, right? And, and how many guests enter the restaurant. So if you can visualize for a minute going down the highway, seeing a Burger King, a McDonald's or a Wendy's, you'll recognize that they're bright primary colors, red, yellow, orange, and they're brightly lit. The seating is often maybe not, it's appropriate, but not super comfortable because they are not inviting you to stay for a long period of time. Now, if you think about some of the high-end restaurants you've been in, the lighting is much more subdued, the, the seating is much more comfortable. Um, they're encouraging you for, to stay a little longer, maybe spend yeah. a little more money, enjoy yourself. So there's a lot of psychology behind that. Mm -hmm. And we do have to plan for that. And that's a big part of our design considerations. Oh, okay. That makes total sense. Yeah, totally yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and it's, it's amazing how much is subconscious because I think, mm -hmm. yeah, when you go into a fast food place, you can feel that mm -hmm. it's not super comfortable. No, and, it and that's so not the bright. Point. Yeah. yeah, true. Yeah. And like on and on the reverse side too, when you go into a real restaurant where they want you to stay forever, you can tell that they do because it's, the chairs and seating is really comfortable. Mm -hmm. The light feel you just want to like hang out all day. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah. Linger. Have there. a few more courses. Exactly. <laughs> Keep going. Another drink. There was this new restaurant um, up in Maine this summer that we tried. And you could tell it was their first summer. And we go in and it's supposed to be more high-end dining experience and um and the food was wonderful but you could tell just again the space didn't have the feel and it is funny that you you walk in you're like okay you know it, it didn't it didn't have the comfier chairs it didn't have the amount of like upholstery and fabric to kind of give you a nook or but again the food you could tell the chef you know that's where their focus was and they were kind of still figuring it out this summer. And I couldn't tell if, like, they just were like, let's get some chairs and tables in. Like, yeah. uh -huh. and do some people some... often not think they need a designer? So I think that's the challenge. I've had clients, um, many, many clients who, um, well, I'm always preaching there's three components to making making your business successful. If you're a restaurateur, you really have to consider the food. That's paramount, obviously. Mm -hmm. You have to consider the service but you also have to consider the aesthetics mm -hmm. because all three of those 
play an equal role in creating success and revenue for that client. Yeah. So very, very important. I won't share any names, but I will say I had a client of, I did dozens of um, restaurants for. We were typically working on modest budgets and emphasizing food. And um, we had an opportunity as he grew in his career to um, work with a little more healthy budget and, and really impact what the environment looked like. And within three months of opening, he came back to me full circle and said, I had no idea this, how my restaurant look could impact my bottom line so much. Wow. Mm. He said, this has been invaluable. That's that so making feel good. Yeah, because <laughs> how could he not know? You know, I mean, when you go in a space, well, you know if it feels good and if you want to go back. And when you're thinking about it, you know, when you're thinking, all right, where do I want to go eat dinner? Maybe y'all don't do this, but I do this. You know, I think about, all right, well, how, how did that make me feel when I was there? Did I feel great? Okay. And I remember the food was good, too. Okay, so let's go. Yeah. Think, of the, think of the Starbucks analogy, right? We all pay $5 for a cup of coffee because we like to go in that cool, hip spot and lounge a little bit. And maybe there's better coffee up the street, but there's not that experience mm -hmm. possibility or mm -hmm. opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are there trends that you see in restaurant design? Um, you will kind of the same thing that's hitting the uh, world at large. Restaurants are now having to design for technology, believe it or not. People expect to go into a restaurant, even if it's a five-star, and be able to charge their device. Mm -hmm. um, that's really important. They really want the capability to um, research the menu before they get there because right. there's so many food sensitivities and issues that you know consumers are facing these days or, or they're concerned about. But the trend, I think, um, from a just purely design standpoint, is um, coming full circle back to a softer, um, more residential feel. And the reason for that is we're all so fast-paced. We're also consumed with technology. We're, we're also um, losing our ability to connect personally with family and peers and friends. And these spaces now have to allow for that because mm -hmm. when you have that moment, you really kind of want to check out from all that. So um, so the commercial world is recognizing that and, and seeking designers like us to create spaces that allow for that, that kind of encourage um, personal conversation. Yeah. I always am so happy and feel so good when I leave like a long dinner where you've, mm -hmm. you know, been visiting with people and I realize, oh, I haven't checked my phone in yeah, two hours. Yeah, or yeah. five hours yeah. or whatever. It, that is not kind of sad. That's kind of depressing. But you're right. It, having a good space and obviously good company really mm -hmm. does help you detach and it it always feels really um, kind of re-energizes yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. What do you think of the restaurants where I have to like interact with an iPad to place my order? So that's a tough one because Ooh. the um, you know the the uh, world is heading in that direction, um, but it goes completely against what my previous comment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some restaurateurs say, hey, I have to do that because at night I want to dim my lights down and I want this romantic setting, but I want people to be able to read the menu. So those iPads give, uh, you know, a, an illuminated, you know, opportunity to do that. Um, 
I think it's less personal. I think what's really exciting in a restaurant is when the menu cover matches the design and yes. there's texture to the paper yeah. and the font style kind of matches the mm-hmm. cuisine. And I think that's all part of a tangible experience. And I, I think it's really an important part of design at large. Like absolutely anything that impacts our senses should be thought about when you're designing a space. Yeah. So if, whether it's sound or color or texture, it's all really important and has to be tied together. When we, the you know devil's in the details, and that to me is a real tangible detail. It's very important. Mm-hmm. That's and so interesting. What you do every day. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting that they think that they need an iPad to make a romantic setting because I feel like there's <laughs> nothing less romantic right. than that blue light <laughs> Couldn't agree glowing more. in the dark. Uh-huh, you know? Uh-huh. Have you seen those brilliant menus? I've only seen it at one restaurant in the world. Um, but it was paper and in a regular menu that you open up and then behind it was lightly lit so mm-hmm. the words, you could see the words. Genius. Menu. So mm-hmm. dim though, like it wasn't mm-hmm. shining on anyone else. Oh, I borrowed it and brought it home. From Mexico. It was in Mexico that I saw this. Mm -hmm. They're very. And brought it home because I was like, I wanted to show everyone and say, why aren't you all doing this? Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I haven't seen it since. Why aren't people doing that? I think it's. um, Is it expensive? Same thing. People are taking them home. Like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now we know why. I mean, as that technology gets developed and it becomes more affordable, I think you'll see more and more and more Mm -hmm. of it. It'll, you know, because it really is helpful. Oh, how do you switch gears? To then work on your residential project. Mm. It seems like that could be really hard. Once like you really scale are... would be hard after like such a big, mm. but maybe not. Yeah. You well, you us. know, um, for a designer, you know, every project's like a blank canvas. And um, it's really about, it's very similar to just the concept of feng shui, right? Everything has to be in balance and in proportion. So regardless if it's residential, commercial, really you know, me personally, I look at the overall space, break it down into proportion, mm. you know, um, decide how I can uh, design it so it meets the function of what someone might be looking for. And then I just have fun with the color and the palette and the, you know, the combination of all the things that go into that. Mm-hmm. Okay, wait, sorry. I have another question about <laughs> back to restaurants. Um do you find that there, there are colors that a lot of restaurateurs go back to over and over because of food? Or do you think that color palette sort of, you know, oh, I, anything's fair game? Color psychology is huge. And I think most people walk into a space and subconsciously say, oh, I feel fantastic in this space. Or, hmm, I don't feel so good in this space. And that really has a lot to do with color. Since you... Um, ask specifically about restaurants, we're often encouraging restaurateurs to consider palettes that complement their food. So we do a deep dive on the menu, understand what their primary, uh, you know, uh, food type is. So for instance, if it's a steak, you know, and the color of steak is kind of a pinky red, we oftentimes will introduce the complementary color, the same Mm -hmm. tone of green into the space where the steak is being served because it ultimately makes that food look better and, again, more appetizing. So we're always considering color as it relates to what's being served and what they're doing in the space. So cool. That is very cool. (laughs) But even down to the table linens. Like, I'm sure you have to, like, 
source those do those have to be flame retardant too I'm oh sure. absolutely is that why they're always like hard as cardboard <laughs> <laughs> that's very observant but yes they do and then they also have to be laundered at a very yeah. high temperatures and, and uh-huh. then come back out and look good what's interesting since you brought table linens is mm-hmm. um that is another real important or great opportunity for a tabletop you know, but you'll often see that um, the linen, the napkin, maybe the votive on the table is very creative, but the plate, most really savvy restaurateurs will leave the plate mm-hmm. pure white mm-hmm. so that again, their uh, illustration of food or their expression of what they're doing on the plate takes center stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about noise in a restaurant. We haven't touched on that yet. It's so frustrating to me when you go in a restaurant and they've paid no attention to how loud it is. Mm-hmm. And it's it's got to be an easy solve. They can put panels or, I don't know, phone they do? under your yeah. table. <laughs> well, the challenge is um, being aware and thinking about it while you're creating the design. And so what we often do is um, fabric wrap acoustical panels and, and embed them in the ceilings or walls so they're not visible. They look like they're part of the architecture. Um, a lot of times um, I happen to really uh, love celebrating the ceilings in spaces. And so if I create a coffer, for instance, the whole interior of that coffer might actually be a two-inch thick acoustical material mm. that I wrap or cover so that you can't see it, but it's doing what you just brought up. It's mm-hmm. taking yeah. care of that. It's reducing the noise in that yeah. space. Yeah. What else do you do for tricks for noise? Yeah, give us tricks. So really, if you think about it, um, noise reverberates off of hard surfaces. It bounces around a room, just uh, floor, ceiling, walls, uh, especially glass windows. Oh. So we're very thoughtful about um, the dense the density of um, like rugs, for instance, or carpets, mm. because the challenge is you don't want to trip on it, but you want it dense enough to absorb a certain amount of sound. Um, we will often line fabrics with additional types of materials that help capture some of that sound around windows. Um, we'll put panels, we'll put acoustical wall covering on walls and ceilings. Sometimes in lieu of drywall, we use acoustical plaster, which looks like drywall, but it's actually absorbing a lot of sound. Um, <clears throat> and the more fabric you put on furniture actually also mm-hmm. helps mm-hmm. with that issue. So yeah. um, you kind of have to look at it holistically mm-hmm. right. and see where you can capture that noise. So if I'm going to a restaurant and it's super loud, is that an issue that maybe they haven't? Like, did they just not consider? I guess I'm just kind of confused as to why. They either and- hired a bad designer or no designer. Well, yeah, yeah, that's my question. <laughs> right. Because sometimes you go into a restaurant and everything is tied, you know, and I, I think it's so pretty when, like, when restaurants do um, subway tile. I feel like that's mm-hmm. really popular in Atlanta. Lots of subway tile, concrete floors, very mm-hmm. industrial looking. But that space just never feels right because you cannot hear the person you're talking to. Mm-hmm. So is it a budget issue where they just didn't have the budget to consider sound? Is it an aesthetic thing that they just didn't think it'd make an impact? I, I don't, well, it's really... It um, so a good designer is aware of all the parts and pieces that will make it successful, make a, a restaurant again successful. Um, and oftentimes we present those issues and items to a client like a checklist of opportunities. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it kind of comes down to what they 
are able to prioritize and, and what they're able to afford. Right. Um, I I would say probably eighty percent of the restaurants that I've done. Um, maybe we weren't in a position to put that in initially, but after they've opened and um, recognized the problem, we've had to go back and figure out how to incorporate really? it back into the design. So, yeah. Oh, mm. so they don't acknowledge that it's an issue often. I, I think maybe they don't anticipate that it can be as bad as it is. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Until they get the room full of people and the plates yeah. clanking. and yeah. They're like, we're doing so well, we just can't hear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what other commercial um, jobs do you do regularly? Um, I, again, hospitality is our forte, um, which so I absolutely hospitality love. is restaurants, bars. Is well, it hotels um, as well? Or is that, hotels. Yeah. Uh-huh. We do okay. a lot of hotels. I think our sweet spot is the boutique hotel, uh-huh. where, again, you get an opportunity to be creative and not necessarily have to um, comply to a brand standard. Mm-hmm. You're sort of mm-hmm. um, at liberty to create the brand for that client, which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, but any type of food service. We also do a lot of country clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, and hospitality has expanded into this ever-growing competitive market right now for um, 55 and up. Um, it's not, you know, senior living is becoming a very aggressive uh, competitive market because the population's aging and uh, persons like ourselves are looking for a community that is completely different from what we might have visualized for our parents or in previous years. We want to go to a resort. And so there's these opportunities now to design unbelievable campuses for that um, lifestyle that's that are embedded with restaurants um, that have apartments and cottages that feel like hotel rooms and um, have community spaces and recreation spaces that compete with country clubs. So that's kind of an exciting marketplace, too. We're doing yeah. a little bit in that uh, field as well. Interesting. Do you mind if I ask you a question about hotels, especially mm-hmm. boutique hotels? Mm-hmm. I love a boutique hotel. I love a boutique hotel. And people often will say to us, I want my house to feel like a hotel or, you know, my bedroom. I want that feeling that I, you know, this particular hotel um, they love. You know, what is it about hotels that make them so uh, relaxing? I don't know. What is it? Uh, You know, and what are you doing? What magic dust are you pouring in there? (laughs) So it's so... (laughs) I like the name magic dust. That's good. I think um, we touched on it a little bit previously, it's that um, when you have a vacation or an experience outside of your own home, you're, you typically have an opportunity to be in a space that um, introduces uh, design in a more daring way that you maybe not would not try at home. So if you're um, a very... Uh, bubbly personality and creative and um, you like color, right? And design, but you you haven't had, you've been too nervous maybe to apply it to your own home because it's easier to take the safe path. The experience of going into that hotel room is so exciting because it's what you, what you like, it's what you're striving for and it's what feels good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tell you the other thing in the hotel rooms that um, when we work in residential, they, hotel rooms are so thoughtful about, again, um, 
providing, you know, meeting all your needs right at your fingertips. So your mm-hmm. nightstand is set up to charge devices, to have a reading light, to have a soft table lamp, to have easy access to a drawer, to maybe um, design certain things into that drawer. And we often don't think about doing that at home. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, but why don't we? I feel, I think you know, we I feel dumb, right? <laughs> I think it's about editing. You do? There's I just too much stuff in our house. Well, I feel like when you go into, well, from my point of view, a hotel is a wonderful escape because you don't have all, you're not surrounded by all this stuff. It feels so clean and Mm -hmm. someone else takes care of you. Mm -hmm. There's no to-do list. Yeah. And you don't have clothes scattered all over. And it's just, it's just exactly what you need, but nothing that you don't. Right. I don't think anyone would design their bedroom that way for the most part. You know, they Mm -hmm. want to. Pull things in and pull things mm-hmm. in. They never get just let it be as, as simple, minimal as possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A respite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a respite. Plus, there's usually work. breakfast, you know, right, right down, downstairs, <laughs> yes. ready for your coffee. coffee. Someone's yeah. made it. Yes, ready. That's it. That's the real key. There's a room oh, service yes. list. That's right. One button to push. Yes. Mm-hmm. You just tell Joe Mooney. You got your life. <laughs> I would like. Joe Mooney. That's my husband. Oh. <laughs> There's a fro- I'd like a frozen pizza from pizza. <laughs> right. Honey. I will say there's nothing more annoying to me than going to a hotel that has not thought out those details. Mm-hmm. When you have to move the nightstand and crawl under the bed to plug something in oh or you have gosh. to unplug a lamp because mm-hmm. they have the lamp and the alarm plugged into the only two outlets. Right. I'm like, what? What do you think? This is the 21st century, people. <laughs> Where am I plugging my stuff in? <laughs> Right. That makes me yeah. crazy. Right. Ooh. Ooh. Or if they don't have a hair blower. Oh, I'm like, who oh, doesn't no. have that? Or an iron and an ironing board. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a place to plug that in. Or yeah. if they're like so witty about where they hit it that you can't find it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I get I'm most frustrated by where to put your luggage. Mm-hmm. You know, Ooh, if I there's not a, a rack. space mm-hmm. or at least a bench, something. Yeah, you know? the hotel we're in. I, think yeah. I had to find the rack in the closet because I was like, there's nowhere. I don't have the surface. It is nice when they have the yeah. the bench or something mm-hmm. where you're like, this is the obvious, like. Or yeah. often now the dressers are have a low area mm-hmm. for your. That's a real. For your suitcase. Yeah. Nice detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Are you adding We that do in? that a yes. lot. Yeah. And, <laughs> and what are the size details exactly you're doing? For your, uh, well, that. So, for instance, in a hotel we're working on right now, um, we have included credenzas that have safes in the credenzas, so you don't have to dig through the closet nice. to find the safe. Nice. Um, yes. We have a lowered portion that's sized for your standard travel suitcase. Yes. Um, we have full-length mirrors in the room. That's also a bad one. That's a good tip, though, for a guest bedroom. Yes, you have to have a mirror in there for them. Yeah, I stayed in a guest bedroom recently, and... No. For a lo- an extended period of time, and there was no full-length mirror. Enough. At your in-laws. Be, mm-hmm. be uh, advised, uh, USB chargers are on their way out. Now oh, it's see? USB-Cs coming in. What's we're that? We're redoing. What is that? It's the next wave of yeah. charging, you know, like technology for charging devices. Yes. So, I know you know, sad. duplex you outlets are not as yeah. uh, needed as they used to we be. We discussed that just yesterday. Mm-hmm. We were talking about those. Okay. Good to know. But here's the thing: you can't have a case. A what? Like I have one for of those little charging things on my phone. Well, it's just the, the socket. It's the new plug this. plug size. It's just the new that. Yes, oh, it's I just the shape of your computer. One. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So essentially, what iPhone did, you know, like, but they're doing it with USB. So now it's 
a bigger. But so no it's called USC? Yeah, USBC. Oh, we added a C to the end. Yes. <laughs> so what does it look like? BC. Yeah. <laughs> what does it look like and why? Is it faster or something? Why do they change it? I wish I, I'm not the technology expert, but that's mm. what all the consultants that we're working mm -hmm. with, teammates, mm -hmm. you know, on projects like this are telling us. Yeah. It's, um, the designers all got together and figured out how they can make new lamps and yeah. cases. Yeah. <laughs> how do we make everyone well, throw out all their stuff no, and get I'm new kidding. stuff? Well, I'll tell you, the other um, what often drives it, and I can give you the analogy of moving from incandescent light bulbs to LED light bulbs, mm -hmm. right? It's, uh, it's often in an effort to preserve or maximize energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, so that's driving a lot of things that ultimately we touch and feel and buy, mm -hmm. you know. Oh, man. I got to tell work. So we put in different... <laughs> well, because, yeah, we we're got developing charging. integrated mm -hmm. power and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you telling them right now? Yes. I got to tell them right now. <laughs> no, I wanted to actually look up what USB-C stood for, to be honest. Well, I don't even know what USB stands for. Universal S versus box. I like how Okay. Everyone's suddenly distracted. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, I need to know these things. Okay, sorry. So you're changing that technology in the rooms. What else are you doing? You know, it's fortunately, hotels are recognizing that the bathroom spaces are becoming very important. So probably one of my biggest pet peeves when I travel there's poor lighting in bathrooms. Yes. So what we're introducing is a lot of backlit mirrors. We're introducing small television screens embedded in those mirrors. So while someone's preparing for the day, they're able to watch the news or oh, by touching nice. the mirror screen, they can see what the weather forecast is. We're really careful about putting overhead light in mm -hmm. uh, at the sink and vanity locations. And we are um, always integrating uh, makeup mirrors mm -hmm. you know, for thank the ladies you. That thank you oh traveling. my gosh yes because <laughs> i travel with my own just in case mm -hmm. because if you get there and there isn't one it's a challenge i'm yeah. sorry for all of you who will have to look at me <laughs> oh no i think it's the only time i can actually see my eyebrows and then i'm yeah. like oh no i know why the lady at the nail salon said eyebrows and i'm like no now i can see it like i need that mirror so, yeah, yeah, I got here and I was like, thank God they have this close-up mirror. I can put my eyebrows finally. That's why I have to travel like once a month, guys. This is like a needed. Do why don't more people integrate their makeup mirror into their home bathroom, though? Because I do think that that's something that's pretty that universal. Oh, oh, I have one. I couldn't, I couldn't live, live without, without it. it. Oh, Karen, we remember it was a whole oh, it was. saga. Oh, you, you did have a whole saga. It took me a long time. To, and I, to be honest, I didn't find one that I thought was particularly attractive. I'm surprised mm -hmm. that the, the ones that I liked were so expensive. Mm, they, they can be. So I bought one that it's fine. Mm -hmm. It does the job, but I'm certainly not proud of it. You know, but like $1,200 for some of these that mm -hmm. look really cool. Why? I mean, really, why? We need to make one, obviously. Yeah, I was yes. just going to say, maybe we need to design one of those. Yeah. <laughs> Ballad Designs brings you closer. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could match our bath collection. It could, Karen. That is not a bad idea. Uh huh. <laughs> That's a good idea. You want me to tell the team, too? Yeah. Should I text them right now? Yeah, my USB stick, please. It's all about product development. Well, the one I have is great because it's you could hard hardwire it if you want or plug it in or battery. Mm hmm. Um, mm hmm. Yeah. So it's whatever option you like. So you like having it lit? Mm -hmm. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So in a snowstorm, power's out, 
She's still got a mirror. Yes. Your concealer <laughs> looks flawless. I, I, I do opt for the battery one. Yes. <laughs> See, I don't necessarily mind. If the bathroom is well lit, I don't mind having the mirror not That's lit. That's you're 30. Mm. I'm okay. telling you, when you're 50, like me, add a few years, you and need you're want all the light, light and magnification you can find. Okay. So enjoy your cheap Stay one tuned. Now. Yeah. <laughs> you can keep your dimmer, but on episode 5,000. When, <laughs> when I do love that backlit mirror in a hotel room, and you, you look gorgeous, you're like, look at me, I'm glowing. Yeah. <laughs> We're at home, it's definitely not that feeling. That's at true. All. Yeah. Oh, those are good ones. I like that they're, yes, those are all very <laughs> neat detour, things sorry. I don't um, think of unless a hotel doesn't have them. And then I'm like, wait a second. Uh-huh. Yeah. Place to sit. I, so down, put on shoes. If I don't have a good mirror or a makeup mirror, I will climb onto the countertop to get close to the mirror to sure. do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad you're not. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. You do. Yeah. <laughs> Are you, yes, do you prepare hotel rooms for um, women to climb up on the top? <laughs> Wait, why? It's just wondering. What's the weight limit? <laughs> the Is that tested? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Collapse. It's not official, show, but we would plan for that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> well, should, should we do our yes, dilemmas? I think we should. Okay. I'm going to read it today. Yes, you go ahead. I need to read it. Karen already... Usually Taryn reads it, but I've read this one a lot from Tamara, and I'm going to summarize it because mm-hmm. it's it's long and complicated. Um, but basically, <clears throat> Tamara lives in Washington State, and she's an avid listener. Hey, Tamara. Hey. Uh, and they built their home 10 years ago. It's really cute. She has this amazing living room that she says she doesn't use enough and wants to get more use out of it. Um, it's a big room. It has two living spaces in it, big rectangle. Um, there's a fireplace at one end where she's got two chairs, sort of a little sitting nook, I think she calls it, down there with built-ins on either side of the fireplace that have windows above them. And then in the middle of the room, she's got two sofas facing each other to create another uh, little sitting living space. And then um, there's a long bank of windows on the long wall, and the other long wall has a piano on it. Now, her goal is to use this space more frequently um, She says they really only use it for parties because it doesn't function well, so they avoid it. Uh, She also says she's drawn to to traditional lines. She likes her sofas and stuff, but for some reason the space feels too formal, and she's trying to figure out how she can make it not quite as formal. And then the large wall that the piano sits on is ginormous, and the piano just looks sad sitting on this very large wall she's willing to put it in another room if necessary she can't put it in front of the windows just because uh, it's not good for the piano um, to be near all that moisture and window wise Um, so she wants three separate spaces that work well together and she likes furniture that plays dual roles if possible so what should we do Tamara, I'm so upset you're not using this room because it's extraordinary. Isn't and it? the views are beautiful. These windows are fabulous. Mm-hmm. Tons of windows that look out mm-hmm. into a forest or something. It's gorgeous. So I, when I look at this space, um, here's what I see as the challenge. Um, I think it's um, difficult to use because it's so voluminous and um, 
and large. So this is where designers use um, some of our tricks of the trade to bring that space down into kind of the scale with our human bodies. I look at this space and the first thing I would tell Tamara to do is to add some detail to the ceiling. Believe it or not, if we could add some fake beams and maybe even some tongue and groove or beadboard um, cladding in between, it would bring the scale of that space down infinitely. Mm. It would give us some zones to add lighting. There's some dark corners in here. And if we're going to create three areas for living space, we have to be able to um, light all areas or all portions of this space. So I think the ceiling would be my number one um, suggestion for Tamara. The other is that the very, very long wall opposite the windows. I think that's a huge opportunity to introduce a new material. Um, maybe that's a reclaimed wood or, or a shiplap siding. Um, but what's going to make this uh, space feel more friendly is texture. We need to get some texture into this space. And creating the three zones, um, that's easy to do with um, literally placement of area rugs, possibly even considering um, smaller pieces of furniture and grouping them into those three zones could definitely work with the existing sofas as as um, one large zone in the center like i can see in the photographs um, and because um because this person is a pianist um i think the piano should stay in that space mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, totally i'm not privy to a budget but i would just offer one suggestion in that regard if playing that piano is part of uh, important to that person or part of how you socialize in your home i could just see like a wonderful holiday event where someone's playing the piano and people are gathered around um i'd love to see you consider a very small uh, maybe baby grand piano instead of an upright. That would take the piano off the wall. You could float it in one of your zones. You could also place it near a window and get that really wonderful daylight over your, over the pianist's left shoulder, which is so important when you're looking at music. Um, I would even consider, and I've had many, many clients buy um, a disclavier system for their piano, which is really um, a way to let the piano uh, play without someone actually playing it and have that wonderful sound permeate through the house. That could be a real uh, enticing um, opportunity there to, to kind of seduce people into that room and use it more. Mm -hmm. Love that idea. Mm -hmm. Do you what? think that if she's wanting it to be a little less formal, but she likes her sofas and things, and she said, oh, maybe I should get different fabric on them. Right now they appear to be some sort of Oh no! So a solid tan, mm -hmm. something. It's hard to tell exactly what. Um, do you think that it's a fabric issue? Do you think it's the line of the furniture that's making it feel so formal? Well, what I would challenge Tamara to do is to look at this room and say, "What is my, what is my favorite piece? Is it the big piece of artwork above the fireplace?" Is it the rug that those sofas are sitting on? And I would I would choose that, embrace it, and then use that to select other fabrics or pillows or accessories mm -hmm. that pull from that. 
Um, because again, I think what the space is lacking is just texture, mm -hmm. and it could and it could. You know, what makes spaces successful is a combination of materials and a combination of textures. Um, and so that takes me just full circle back to where I started. If we could get more texture and color in the ceiling, mm -hmm. if we could see that on the walls, um, and if we could bring out some of the brilliant accent colors from the rug or, or the primary focal point piece of artwork in the form of pillows or draperies, mm -hmm. um, I think it would be a... A real big bold statement for that room. One other opportunity in that same vein is when we look at that palette or we decide on that, perhaps a real strong, brilliant color um, that could be pulled from that rug or artwork could be painted in the back wall of the bookshelves. That mm -hmm. would give some depth to that fireplace wall mm -hmm. and, um, and, and provide an accent color. I have a question for Tamara because it seems like this the layout seems to be really nice and comfortable. Right. And the furniture placement's good. So I wonder if her furniture just isn't comfortable and that's why she doesn't use it. Yeah. Why you know, the, like, the space if you have, looks amazing. So it's surprising that they don't hang out. Right. So mm -hmm. I wonder if maybe her sofa just isn't a sofa that she wants to sit on or her chairs don't. Maybe the they're not cozy enough. Yeah, maybe the they sit the to a ride or, or something. Exactly, mm -hmm. it's not comfortable for reading a book or whatever she's trying to do. So maybe, maybe she's that's, a little more loungy. Yeah, or uh -huh. maybe it's too. I don't know. I don't know what the issue is, but because I think we, for example, in my house we have a our sofa is super super deep, which is great for t watching TV, but it's not really all that comfortable for hosting and entertaining. Like if you have, especially if you have. Um, you know, snacks on the coffee table. Right. You really have to reach forward. Reach uh -huh. forward. So since we now have a second living room, we kept the really loungy one in the TV room, but we bought something a little more upright, shallower for our, you know, more entertaining space. Uh -huh. And so that I think that's something you may not necessarily think about when you're buying a sofa, but mm -hmm. really impacts how you're going to use it and what the room is going to do because, you know, it impacts how you're sitting. Right. Because so, if you're going to sit and read a book, or however it is you're wanting to utilize this room, what does that furniture need to feel like to you? Right, exactly. Or what? Where, when you are hanging out, there, somewhere in your house you're hanging out, what's that furniture? <laughs> and then just, you know, emulate it over there. Right. At least the feel of it. Mm -hmm. What about this big ginormous wall, empty wall with a piano? Well, you know, um, Tamara said she's drawn to fall colors, mm -hmm. and that's evident in this room. And it feels it feels warm and cozy, and you have that autumn kind of wheat color on the walls. Mm -hmm. What will make this room pop if is if she introduces um, some complementary colors to that. Mm -hmm. So she said she might even um, consider uh, introducing reds or deep oranges or. Or blues into the space. So I, I would not do that on the long wall. Again, I would add texture to that wall, but I would select artwork that would have those big complementary colors in it mm -hmm. on that long wall. Mm -hmm. And there's an opportunity to do a um, group, a grouping of artwork, a right. collection maybe, mm -hmm. um, that would um, take up a space opposite the center windows on the opposite wall right mm -hmm. and she could put little uh, upholstered cubes on either side of that 
piano or something. You know what I mean? You need some mm-hmm. sconces too. Mm-hmm. Oh, some sconces. Some on great wall sconces nice. with your art or picture lights. Yes, yes. yes. Oh, yeah. that you so, like you said, adding some other ambient light around the room, I mm-hmm. think, is going to help her. Mm-hmm. And the center of the room, other than the two, the center where the two sofas face each other, it's the major part of the room. There isn't any light there except two lamps behind one of the sofas. You know, I think mm-hmm. you need more side tables. Mm-hmm. I agree. More lights. You know, if you're sitting on the right, sit in every spot and make sure there's a place for you to set your drink. Right. You know, you need to make those little welcoming nooks all over that room so that when you do sit down, you can put your coffee down or you can put your wine down and turn on a light and read and feel comfortable. What do y'all think about adding maybe a big light fixture over the middle living area? I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it a lot. Something it, it might help that what also you're saying. bring the ceiling down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, something big. When you look at the window wall, if, um, you know, faux or hollow beams could relate to the pilasters on that outside wall, mm-hmm. that would set itself up. That would set the ceiling up to receive a large light fixture in yeah, that right. zone. I think it'd be great. Yeah. That's a great tip. Yeah, bring that ceiling down some. This is an amazing room. I want it to is. hang out I, Yeah. I think if she gets a few new things, too, it'll spark her excitement to be in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds silly, but if I got something new, even, again, mm-hmm. from a thrift store, I get excited to decorate around it. So yeah, absolutely. You need to buy something new you love that goes with, and then maybe you'll want yeah. to sit in there more. Yes. <laughs> and one little tip about the lighting that you mentioned, um, if there is a, a basement or a crawl space under this room— it would be really behoove Tamara to put in some floor outlets so mm-hmm. she could float some mm-hmm. um, reading lights, uh, you know, on next to armchairs or on either side of the sofas. That would be really great. Right. And not to be blasphemous, but <laughs> Tamara, if you put a TV in here and it would make you use the room more, put a TV in there. I mean, if you're just not hanging out in here because there's no television, tuck one in a corner somewhere. Right. And I don't know if you've ever seen, but they they do make televisions now that when they're not in use, they look like beautiful artwork yeah. with frames. You could put it on that wall down by the fireplace mm-hmm. that is just an empty wall. She has a little table and lamp there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you could, t- so you could just tuck a TV in this room somewhere. To your point. Mm-hmm. If you want to use the room. No, we'll be realistic to how you live. Yeah, like if you're a reader, then put more books in there. And a good chair. Yeah. 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 Or if you're a TV watcher, then yes. Bring a TV in. It's okay. We give you permission. Awesome, but she has such a good space. I'm she excited. Does. I would love to see some after photos. Yes. So Ooh, I would too. Please oh, send yes. them to us if you, once you get the space. Mm-hmm. And she has good. a secondary question about her dining room, but we'll do that on another episode since this was such a long one. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sounds Looking good. Looking forward to that. Yes. For Tamara. You have to <laughs> listen to more episodes, Tamara. Sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Barbara, will you tell everyone where they can find you, see your work, maybe go visit your work? Oh, wonderful. Yeah, Yeah, we are located in um, Villanova, Pennsylvania. Um, And you can definitely see our work on our website, belanger.com. You can see us on social media at Belanger Design, B-A-L-O-N-G-U-E, Design. (laughs) Uh, And we'd love to have you visit the main line. We have a... Dozens of restaurants you could go see. Check out the White Dog Cafe. It's a special one. Is that um, the one with all the dog portraits? That's the dog one. I love that restaurant. <laughs> it is so fabulous. Oh, thank you. So, and I've got to tell you, I don't remember the food at all. I remember the decor. Oh. It is amazing. <laughs> we had a lot of fun we, with that. I think we ate there, yeah. I think we ate there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Look oh for God, how weird. Yeah, look for autograph that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. There's a new one coming in the same area called Rosalie. It'll be really exciting. Awesome. Yes. Cool. That's great. Very cool. Well, thanks. Thank you. Thank you for ha- thank you for joining us. We really really enjoyed it. All right, guys, that's our show. Thank you for listening. Please leave us a review in your podcast app. And actually, we just got a bunch of reviews recently. We did? They're all so wonderful and sweet. So thank you, guys. We, we are, it really brings us joy to read them. It does. Check out the show notes for this episode at howtodecorate.com slash podcast. We will have photos, notes. You can check out Tamara's room if you'd like to. Chime in and give her some suggestions in the comments, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, of course, follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Enable the Alexa skill on your Amazon account so you can listen to the How to Decorate podcast from your Alexa. I can't think of anything else. I think, I think, I think we've covered it all. So until next time, <laughs> happy, happy decorating. decorating. <laughs> this, is a, this is really pretty.